This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Hope you had a very happy Christmas. If you were celebrating, hope you had a lovely time with friends, family, or perhaps even some acquaintances or friends of friends. However open you are to having those people in your life around Christmas time, whatever you did, hope you had a fine time. You ate well, drank well, and all was good and happy and peaceful with you. It is going to be a pretty no-frills episode of the show today, I have to say, because people who were or who would ordinarily be potential guests for the show to discuss the Brighton game are doing their festive thing. They're hanging out with their friends and their family. They've got their phones off. They've got their emails off or they're not looking at their email. And in truth... I think at this time of the year, it's it's all right to give people a bit of distance and not hassle them to appear on a podcast. Nevertheless, we are going to look ahead to the game against Liverpool. And the one person I suppose that I could hassle or rope into doing something or giving some of their time at this time of the year is the Mug Smasher. And he will be along. We'll have a chat about Arsenal, Liverpool and a few other bits uh, in just a few moments time. Just to take a moment as well to reflect on what happened to Brighton. The 1-1 draw, I have to say, was really disappointing. The... Uh, the performance, particularly in the second half, was really, really poor. Maybe the first half was more frustrating because we were definitely on top of the game early on, weren't we? We started very well. We scored after seven minutes. Brighton were pressed back in their own half. We had total control of the ball, total control of possession. Uh, uh, possession and the ball are the same fucking thing. I'm talking about territory. We had them pushed right back, but I thought we played... A bit conservatively, a bit passively, we didn't really try and turn the screw. And it was one of those, as I was watching it, going, we could very well pay a price for not going for this game, for not really getting it by the scruff of the neck after the early goal. And so it proved. So it proved. We failed to take a chance, a really good chance to make it 2-0. And then we were undone by just hapless defending. We had a corner. And from that corner, within five or ten seconds, Brighton had equalised. Stefan Lichsteiner did not judge the flight of the ball properly. He headed it into the path of the Brighton striker. Genduzi had switched off. I'm not sure that Mesut Ozil continued to track his runner the way he should have. Leno came out. I think he had to. He had no choice but to come out, really, given the guy was clean through on goal. He went uh, He went past him, rolled the ball into an empty net, and it was 1-1. And it was the price we paid for the way we approached the game after the goal. The decisions, uh, and I'm going to talk to the Mug Smasher a little bit about this, um, from Unai Emery, I don't think were good decisions in terms of how he managed the game, how he uh, managed his substitutes, and to have 70% possession in the game and finish with only seven attempts on goal 
while Brighton had 12 attempts with their, whatever it was, 30%, 31% possession, tells you a story about this team and about its inability to create. There was a very interesting stat from our friend Orbino uh, on Twitter. He is at Orbino, and he says Arsenal are averaging only 13.1 shots per game this season, the lowest rate per match since Opta began collecting Premier League data in 1996. So this story or this narrative that was going around earlier in the season about how Arsenal were outperforming XG, whether you buy into that or not, is reflected in that statistic. We're not creating enough opportunities on goal. Perhaps we're being more efficient with the ones that we are creating, but there's a problem. There is a problem with creativity in the team. When you take Mesut Ozil out, whatever you think of Ozil, he is a creative player. He is somebody who can find a pass. Maybe he doesn't fit into Emery's system. Maybe he doesn't work hard enough. But when you're playing away from home with three defensive midfielders, it's always going to be difficult to get the ball to the attacking players. And when the attacking players in the second half were Alex Iwobi, who's going through a very difficult time, Alexandro Lacazette eventually replaced by by Aaron Ramsey, there's a weird decision, there was a weird call, or Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, there was a moment really late in the game, perhaps the last minute of injury time, and we were pushing, we'd had a corner, we were pushing to try and find a goal. And on the left-hand side, just inside their half, an Arsenal player picked up the ball and cut inside and lost the ball. And that player was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And I'm wondering what is going on when our striker is having to drop that deep to pick up the ball to try and make something happen because nothing else is happening. Nothing else is going on. We're not getting the ball into dangerous areas. We're not causing them problems. We're not opening them up. We're not stretching them in any way. And I think there's something wrong with the way we played on Saturday or whatever fucking night it was. What night was it? Wednesday night. You know, Aubameyang is not the kind of player who could do what Thierry Henry could do from time to time and pick the ball up in that area and drive towards goal and beat a few players and make something happen, whether it was a shot on goal himself or create something. I'd ask who Aubameyang was actually going to create for at that point. Uh, Maybe Aaron Ramsey would have got himself into the box, but who else? So it's little wonder, really, that we came away from that second half without really threatening the Brighton goal. The most dangerous we were was when a clearance was kicked against Alex Iwobi and the ball spun just wide of the far post. And that really does say an awful lot about how poor we were in that second half. Unai Emery has received a lot of credit this season for the way he's got us on an unbeaten run. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for achieving that. And I understand that we have big problems in our defense, which I'm not sure can be fixed by organization or coaching. I think they can really only be fixed by personnel at this point. We're now in a situation where I am welcoming the return of Shkodran Mustafi because he is a a natural central defender, somebody who can play in that position. It doesn't mean I don't think we can improve on him. Of course we can. I think we, we can and we have to. But as far back as August, there were coaching staff saying that Emery is absolutely aware that Arsenal have defensive problems. And if this is the result of intensive defensive coaching, we've got two possibilities here. One is that Unai Emery is not a particularly good defensive coach. 
And there are big question marks then to be asked about his organization and the way he sets up his team. Or two, we have extremely weak personnel with whom you can only do so much. And if it's two, then that's relatively easily fixable via the transfer market if the club uh, can find the money to do that. Whether it means having to move some players on in January, sell some players and raise some funds, I'm not quite sure. But if it is option two, then the transfer team, Sven Mislintat, Raul Sanyei, they've got to be working hard on this. If it's number one, then I think we need to be really worried. But I'm more inclined to believe it's number two at this moment in time. I think Unai Emery deserves uh, at least two more transfer windows to try and build a team more in his image rather than trying to reshape a team which uh, he inherited, which had big defensive issues anyway. So it was a really disappointing game, I think, the Brighton game. And when you're going into a game against Liverpool, to be that exposed and to be that poor is a real worry because, well, I mean, if we play anywhere near as badly uh, at Anfield on Saturday night, Liverpool are going to tear us a new one. Maybe we'll up our game to match the intensity of the opposition. And let's not forget that we we had a very good performance against Liverpool uh, a couple of weeks ago. So there's that. But it is not particularly uh, inspiring to see uh, the team play in the way they did. We all know we've got defensive issues, but when we can't create with some of the players that we've got in our squad, if Emery can't squeeze some creativity out of those players then I don't think it's unfair to uh, to ask a few questions of him. So we'll keep fingers crossed for, for Saturday night. I'm not particularly confident, uh, I have to say, after what I saw against Brighton. But football is surprising. You never know. You never know. Anyway, let's move on. And... Uh, who better than to talk about the Liverpool game and Liverpool themselves with me than the uh, the Mug Smasher. Hello, Mug Smasher. Festive greetings to you. And to you, a good night. <laughs> well, that's a nice way to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> good Very day. good. No, it's been, a, it's been a good old Christmas. Obviously, we've been spending some time together eating and drinking and doing the Christmas things. That's true. It's yeah. been very pleasant. Has been very pleasant. Nice and relaxing. Nothing too strenuous. And for you, going into the Christmas period with Liverpool on top of the table, it's like, it's even better than the present we all got each other. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it is. Well, I don't know. I haven't played that game yet. No, me neither. It's Red Dead Redemption. It was, uh, what would you like for Christmas? Red Dead Redemption 2, please. And you? Yes. Same. Yes, okay, we'll do that. It worked out beautifully. It was good. Rather than just buy it for ourselves, we did indeed exchange that's true yeah that's the right way to do it I think go through the the motions exactly exactly although I couldn't find it in the shops really yeah it was gone out of GameStop and have you noticed that in video game shops now they have a really limited number of new games on the shelves no you should I don't spend much time no me neither but you you used to be able to go in and all the new games will be there and there'll be loads of them and now there's about 10 new games and then Buckets and buckets of second-hand games and used games uh, and stuff like that. But I couldn't find it anywhere, so I had to uh, buy it from the evil place. Oh, did you? Yeah. You did leave your shopping very late, though, didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, not that I forgot it was Christmas, it just kind of crept up on me, you know. It'll do that. But there you go. Anyway, look, uh, that's something for us to look forward to in the new year. We can trade Red Dead Redemption 2 stories. My horse is shit. <laughs> 
So all ahead of us. Yeah, um, but, but anyway, Liverpool, Liverpool, top of top of the table. Were you were you expecting this? Because it's been a big turnaround in the last couple of weeks. Because everyone was saying, not that it was a, a one horse race, but City were the team to beat, and nobody could really see a crack or a chink in their armor. And now, in a, a pretty short space of time, they're six points behind you, and the goal difference that they had, which was considerably better, is now zero. Zero. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, I wasn't expecting this. I was optimistic that we could keep winning games and, and keep the pressure on them, but I didn't expect them to lose to Leicester and Crystal Palace. Mm. Is that three defeats in the last four games they've had? Yeah, it could well be. So. Yeah, it is. So, it, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, I, I'd never thought it was a one-horse race the way most of the media did, although you can kind of uh, excuse people for assuming City were going to mm. run away with it. Uh, I just think that the fact that we're not dropping any points keeps keeps the pressure on them and, mm. and I guess can lead to mistakes and sure. these uh, types of results. It is a bit of a uh, an illustration of how quickly things can change, particularly over this period of the season where there's a lot of football being played. And I say that in the light of Arsenal's terrible 1-1 draw at Brighton, which uh, was probably our worst performance of the season. You know, coming after a, a hard-fought win against Burnley, you kind of think, OK, get yourselves back on track and start winning, and you don't. So my hope is that uh, in a few weeks' time, we might look back on this particular little blip and think, OK, it wasn't great, but we've won a few games now, and the, the table looks a, a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's dependent on, you know, having some defenders who can defend, uh, which is a significant problem for us this season. We might touch on that uh, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have to say, I, I said something on Twitter the other day that got a lot of people, not annoyed, but a lot of people disagreed with my contention that I would rather see Liverpool win the league this season than Manchester City. I agree completely. Well, I know you would. But my point was, is that even though it would be quite annoying for many people because they've got many more Liverpool supporting mates than they do Man City supporting mates, I think there's something really quite sinister about the whole Manchester City thing that's glossed over with a massive, hugely effective PR machine which makes us forget what a cynical, horrible enterprise the whole thing is. And Mm. that, okay, Guardiola's a brilliant coach, and they've got some brilliant players, and they play some brilliant football. But if you, on the one hand, complain about how money is wrecking the game, can you not, on the other hand, then say City winning the title just contributes to that? I don't know whether it contributes to it, but it's, um, yeah, they're inextricably linked. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it's just City's PR um, company doing some nice whitewashing or whether people just don't want to think about these things because football is escapism and it's entertainment. But Yeah. Um, yeah, it is It is a bit bleak or, and, and hard to take when, you know, you know, the money behind City is so dirty. Yeah. Sure. Um, but then the, the money behind Chelsea was questionable as well. I mean, it's not the first time football sold itself a long time ago. No, that's true. But uh, I mean, I guess at some point there will be a a breaking point for people where I, well, you would hope there would be, but I'm not sure there will be actually because all this stuff happens incrementally, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if you took sure. the Premier League in or the Division One in 1990 and you said 
just transported people forward 25 years or however long it is. How long is it? 28 years? 28. 28 years. Okay. And you have clubs owned by nation states and you have oligarchs and you have this kind of money and there's TV not wrecking the game, but paying absolute lip service to what's best for fans and what's best for players and what's best for clubs because they've got them in their pockets because of the money that they would have, I think people would just have gone, oh, fuck, this is really bad. But because that change has happened on an incremental basis year by year by year and we've all gone, it's, it's like the whole Christmas comes too early. They've got their, sh- their decorations up. They've got the stuff in the shops in October. And every year people complain about it, but they do it. I'm not saying football is Christmas, but... You see where I'm going with this? It's the war on Christmas. It is the war on Christmas. Um, Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what question you were asking, but I'll, I'll just say in a general sense, I, I agree with you. It is dirty and horrible, but mm. we watch it all the same, don't we? We do. We do. But as a neutral, I suppose, if you had to choose between Liverpool and City, then you should choose Liverpool because at least there's no human rights abuses involved in our money that we're aware of. That we're aware of. That we're aware that of. We're make I that, get, make that caveat, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's his name? John Henry? John Henry, yeah. Yeah, John Henry could have a dungeon, a lair somewhere. It wouldn't surprise you. It wouldn't at all, but uh, yeah. Um, But look, I know many people will disagree with that contention, and I think the media love-in would be a little bit hard to take as well. If so Liverpool, many, yeah, yeah, there is there is an element of that, but hang on, there's a media loving with every champion, so it's not unique to Liverpool. No, it's just there's so many ex-Liverpool players doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, but at least Alan Hansen isn't anymore, so that's that's true. That's true. Is Laurel still around? Yeah, Mark Lawrenson is on the radio here a lot. Actually, he does Today FM and stuff like that. But you don't see him on the TV. He does. I still. Th- I think he does the um, the BBC picks. You know, he does the predictions yeah, every predictions week. Game, yeah. yeah, where if... He's you... quite good at that. Is he? Yeah. Do you think? I don't know. I don't pay any attention. I, I used to read it weekly and he was usually pretty good. Right. Well... Good I, chats. Yeah, okay. But anyway, look, Liverpool's uh, big strength this season could be their attack because uh, Mo Salah, bit of a dive the other day though, what? Yeah, it was a bit soft. But... Bit soft. Yeah, a bit soft. Bit soft. Happens in every game. Does, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's right. the way it goes. It's the way of the world. It is. But Salah, obviously, Firmino, Mane, very effective strike force. But if you look at the Premier League table and you look at the amount of goals that Arsenal have scored and the amount of goals Liverpool have scored, which I think is more or less uh, the same. I'm just going to um, bring it up here on my personal computer, which I can't do because it's got the spinning wheel of death, for fuck's sake. Here it comes. Where is the Premier League table? So Liverpool have scored 43. Arsenal have scored 41. Yes. Liverpool have conceded 7. Arsenal have conceded 25. <laughs> that's, that's the difference. And for a team, I think, that struggled defensively for many years, that's an incredible... Turnaround. Turnaround or... Maybe not turnaround is not the right word, but an incredible piece of work that Liverpool have done, that Klopp has done to bring in Van Dijk, and he's obviously had a major impact on on how solid you are at the back. But it's got to be more than just one guy. Well, it, it is more than one. It's not just Van Dijk and, and Alisson. Um, they've made a huge difference, but this hasn't happened overnight either. Last mm. season, our defence was much better than the previous season, but because Liverpool's defence had been in the spotlight so much... Mm. 
any mistakes got uh, amplified. Uh, so there was a narrative last season that our defence was a shambles, but for good chunks of last season, we were pretty solid. Right. Um, just trying to see so how it hasn't it happened overnight, but yeah, I mean, they've taken it to the next level for sure. Yeah, I just want to have a look at how many goals you conceded last season uh, in the end. 38 goals, which was the same as Chelsea, two more than Tottenham, 11 more than Man City, 10 more than Manchester United, who finished second. <laughs> That's hilarious, really, yeah. isn't it? When you look at Manchester United finishing second and what's happened this season, I'm very, very unhappy at what, what went on there with Mourinho. In, in what way? In that I feel like it would have been much better for football and for all of us if he'd been allowed to continue what he was doing. Indefinitely. Indefinitely. Yeah. Perhaps given a six-year contract a with six no year break. Ma- mandatory contract. Yeah, mandatory. Contract. Yeah, you, yeah, you cannot. No break clauses either way. You know, eventually, you know, himself and Pogba would have come to some kind of violent uh, altercation felt like it was going that way. Yeah, for sure. It would be against EU employment law, but maybe after Brexit, um, those types of contracts can exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they got rid of him, and now they've won two games in a row, and they're only six points behind Arsenal, and I don't like it. No, I but like the, I mean, the game fair. They beat Cardiff and Huddersfield, so I mean, I wouldn't be getting too excited yet if you're a United fan. No, I guess so, but they also lost to teams like that this season, didn't they? So. True, true, true. But I, I don't think you should be too concerned about them. Celsiar mm. doesn't exactly have a track record. Yeah, he was he was manager of Cardiff, wasn't he, for a while? Yeah, didn't go well. No, it went poorly. So I mean, he'll steady the ship. But um, I heard from somebody who was it telling me? I can't remember, but apparently they were saying that uh, it's Solskjaer with Sir Alex giving him the old steer here and there about what to do. That's what I heard. Right. So, he's well, back. He's back. Well, he was sitting in the stands a lot recently, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's there every week, but I, you know, I did like the the look of complete disdain on his face towards Mourinho. I'm sure that had an influence on the decision. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, they they did noticeably show him in the crowd a lot during the Liverpool game. Mm. Um. Yeah, so that could have been the breaking point. How yeah. much? How much has the keeper made a, a difference to this season for you? Because obviously, Carius last season was—I kind of feel sorry for him. I don't know where he is now. I believe he's, he's running a bar in. No, he's in Besiktas. Oh, is he? Yeah. How's it going for him out there? Well, I think it's going okay, but he's made a few high-profile mistakes. Yeah. But I mean, when you're how old is he? Twenty or twenty-one? Carius. Yeah. Is he old? Is he that young? I don't know. Let's have a quick 23? Uh, Something Loris like that. Carius. Oh, I spelt it wrong. Yes, I mean Loris Carius. He is uh, 25. 25. He's over the hill now. Yeah. He's, there's no chance. Yeah. But anyway, Carius was not great, and Mignolet was Mignolet. Equally, equally not great. Yeah. Which yeah. was not greater than the other. Oh, no, they were both equally not great, but in slightly different ways. Right. Yeah, if you could merge them into one human, they'd be a good keeper. Or would they be a doubly bad keeper? <laughs> Maybe they'd be twice as bad as they already mm, were. That's possible. Mm. Yeah, Alisson's been great, you know. Mm. A couple of mistakes, but most of the time he's solid and, um, yeah, I mean, he's made a huge difference. He's got presence. He's got presence. Mm. He, I mean, the whole back, the back uh, 
The group at the back. What are they called? Defenders. The defenders. Yeah, they're defenders. all even Lovren's playing well. Scored a good goal the other day. He did. Mm. Good finish. And the, yeah, it's just. I mean, Gomez plays well when he plays. Mm. I know he's injured now. Matip comes on and plays well. Lovren plays well. Van Dijk is the is the guy that's organising it all. So yeah, he's made the difference. He is a guy that. Uh, a lot of clubs were interested in. I think Arsenal had a chance to sign him from, from Celtic. Celtic and yeah. didn't, which, uh, you know, in hindsight was probably... A poor decision. Probably a poor decision. I do wonder what he would have looked like, though, under the final years of Arsene Wenger. Would he have just been a gigantic Mustafi? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard to say. It is hard it's to hard say. To, he's got pace. His recovery pace is really good. So yeah. I don't know. He may have survived that. Maybe so. Maybe mm-hmm. him and Kashali would have been quite good together. Our midfield is also starting to come good. The new lads, Fabinho's playing well. Mm. I know he had a fairly hard time against uh, against Terreira at the Emirates. Uh, it was only a second or third game, but he's, he's, uh, he's looking like a real player now. Why has it taken so long to bring him into the team? Well, I mean, I don't think he was ready and his first few performances were, you know, were, weren't great. So it's probably a wise decision to, mm. to get him in slowly. Um, but he seems to be getting used to the pace of things and uh, I've been real impressed with him. Right. Yeah. And what about Cater? Because he was, again, somebody that a lot of people were talking about as, a, as the kind of signing that a lot of the, the top clubs in England would have been looking at when the deal was done. It was... Was one of those where you did the deal a year before he arrived or something like that? Yeah, I think it was January of mm. last year, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe something like that. So um, he started the season well, and then he got injured and he missed I don't know six or eight weeks, did he? Something like that, and he hasn't quite got back to what you would think is his best. But mm. he can definitely move the ball quickly through the midfield with the ball at his feet. You know, he makes surging runs, but his final ball has let him down lately. Right, but he looks like you know he's going to come good. Uh, you wouldn't be writing them off. Mm. So I mean, we were, good on. defense, good midfield, and good forwards. It's a winning it's a, combination. It's a good time with a good goalkeeper as yeah. well. Uh, are you are you allowing yourself to to dream? Yes, definitely allow myself to dream, and it feels less deluded than it has <laughs> <laughs> the other couple of times we've gotten close. I mean, it feels it's a genuine chance, you know. Yeah. Um, if we can beat City on Tuesday, is it? Is it? Are you playing City on New Year's Day? or? Oh, no, on the 3rd, whenever that is. That'll be Thursday. Right. Um, th- there'll be 10 points, or potentially 10 points between us. Wow, okay, I'm just going to have a look at the I fixtures. suppose we have to uh, deal with the Arsenal game first. Even if we lose to Arsenal, um, we'll be ahead of them. I have to say, after the, after the game that we were at at the Emirates, it's on Thursday, the Manchester City-Liverpool game, 8 o'clock at the... Evil Etihad Stadium. Anyway, when we were at the Arsenal-Liverpool game back in November, it was, uh, I think, a pretty positive performance from from an Arsenal point of view. Yeah. Um, you know, coming from a, a goal down. Uh, and in midfield, I thought we were well on top in terms of what we had with Torreira and Jack. And it was a positive display and would give you hope that when you're facing Liverpool again I didn't realize it was going to be this quickly but mm. you're hoping that when you when you face them again you remember that performance and you go into the game in good shape and I'm a bit more worried now because of what's happened over the last couple of weeks uh, with Arsenal because of the defeat to Southampton 
the draw with Brighton, uh, a really, really poor performance against Brighton on yeah. uh, whatever day it was, Wednesday, yesterday. Yeah. I lose track of days of the week at this time of the year. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It is, rather. But I'm now quite officially worried about this game because we have real problems defensively Yeah. Um, in that we don't really have any central defenders. Koscielny could only play 70 minutes. Yeah. And he was knackered and he had to come off. Whether they were protecting him for Saturday... Uh, against Liverpool, I'm not quite sure. Uh, Socrates looks okay, but Licksteiner... He's bad. He's a bad player. Maybe he wasn't a bad player, but now he just looks so far off the pace in Premier League terms. He looks out of his depth. It's... I felt... I almost felt sad for him because he... Well, I felt sad for him... He's a prick. You couldn't feel sad for him. Well, he's a... He's one of those guys that if he wasn't on your team, you'd definitely hate him yeah. because he's got that yeah, to his dirt. game, you know. And and the the histrionics and letting the referee know that he's been fouled and everything. I get why he would be really annoying for people. What's annoying if you're an Arsenal fan is seeing him charge up the wing, get the ball and do nothing with it. I've never seen a player of such experience be unable to cross a ball into the box with any kind of accuracy, with any kind of decent trajectory, to put the ball in in somewhere approaching a dangerous area. His delivery from out there is absolutely woeful. And then he's knackered. Yeah. He's he's finding it very hard to get up and down the pitch. And, you know, he's 34 years of age. You can't blame him He probably him wasn't meant to play this much. No, he wasn't. I don't think he was meant to play that much. But, you know, you have to you have to stop and consider the possibility that, you know, uh, Bellerin could miss a few games with an injury or, or what have you. And I'm not sure that when Bellerin, Bellerin, I don't know how much you've watched this season, but has been really good for us. And fullbacks are how Emery is a big part of how Emery likes his team to attack. Getting fullbacks and getting the ball cut back into the to the penalty area. Bellerin has been really, really good. Uh, Kolasinac in the last few weeks has been really good for us in, yeah, in that sense. He's looked better. It just strikes me as odd that if you have a player like Bellerin on one hand and you know you need some competition for him and you need some backup for him, you get a player who is so the opposite yeah. of what he is. Young, fast, effective, dynamic, and Licksteiner. Not None of those things. No. It, it was a weird signing right from the off, and it looked to me like a dressing room signing. Like he wanted someone with that experience around the dressing room and didn't really expect him to play this much. So mm. It was only his first transfer window. I'd imagine he'll try and address these things yeah, in January. I, you hope so. You would hope so. I'm not sure how much he had to do with all of the signings either. I no. think a lot of them came from the from the football executive people who who right. are doing that kind of business now, the old transfer committee, which I'm sure you're well aware of mm-hmm. from a Liverpool point of view. Yeah, but just to, to say, I mean, before the, the game in the Emirates last month, mm. your defence was really dodgy and your midfield had been shaky and... Um, that game was kind of an anomaly, the fact that you put 90 minutes together and, and Chaka played like a professional footballer. Um, <laughs> it was unusual. Um, so, you know, it could happen again tomorrow. Mm. Chaka's not, that, not bad. that bad. I, I quite like Chaka. 
he's not a top level player then. Mm-hmm. He makes he makes some really bad mistakes. He does. He's quite careless at times. You know, there's and, a lot he, to like about the way he plays, but yeah, he, his yeah. game is punctuated with those. Yeah, if he was like, a goalkeeper, everyone would hate him. Lapses in concentration and stupid mistakes. Mm. But in the Liverpool game, he he didn't put a foot wrong. I mean, mm. he played kind of above his level. Um which was really annoying, I found. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. At the time. Well, who knows? He might do it again on, on Saturday. Uh, what do you make of the Mesut Ozil situation? I don't know how much you've been following, but Ozil yesterday against Brighton hauled off at halftime for, for Alex Iwobi for, for tactical reasons, left out of a North London derby for tactical reasons. Um, he's been in and out of the team this season for tactical reasons and also a back injury. Yeah, um, I remember Coutinho used to have back injuries. Did he? Every January, yeah. Right. I'm not sure that there's anything to do with, with the timing of it, but when you have a player of Ozil's stature and when you have a player of his ability and he's so marginalised this season, it doesn't really augur well for his future at the club under Unai Emery. It doesn't look that way. How did he play yesterday before he was taken off? It's all right. I mean, he wasn't terrible or anything. He wasn't any worse, really, than than anybody else. Yeah. He was maybe a bit too far up the pitch at times. I think uh, by halftime, only Lacazette and Aubameyang had fewer touches than him. You know, and this is a guy... Uh, He's your number 10, yeah. Well, yeah, but not really playing as a number 10. I'm not sure Emery likes to to play with a traditional number 10. So I I don't think he'll play at Anfield. Oh, Jesus. I hope he plays. But no, I mean, I wouldn't start him. He's a, he'll be a liability. Although you say that, and then he could just turn up and have one of his games. You know, he'll find the, he finds the gaps or the spaces between people and... Mm ruins you but it's been a while since he's had a game like that against anyone of any standard yeah particularly away from home yeah. I mean he left him out of the the game against Southampton because he felt it was too physical he left him out of a game against Bournemouth away because it was too physical I think he started against I can't remember but Bournemouth away he said this game was too physically intense for Mesut Ozil Bournemouth make fewer tackles than any other team in the Premier League but then, I mean, he's, yeah, and why would he say physically intense? I mean, Bournemouth were in a good run of form at that stage, and they are... I know, but look, it's... it's en- an energetic they team. Are, is that so what he meant? Maybe it's what he meant, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's Bournemouth. Well, I mean... Away he, from home. I'm not to, like taking Bournemouth for granted, but if you're Mesut Ozil and you can't start against Bournemouth away from home, how can you start against... How can you start against Liverpool away? I'm not sure you can. No, no, you can't. I mean, it, look, it looks like Emery doesn't rate him, so... Doesn't trust him. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely doesn't trust and, does, and doesn't fit in his system. Well, um, I don't know what Emery's system is either. That's the thing. There well, isn't that, a defined system. Are, are, do Liverpool play more or less the same formation every week? No, he mixes it up. He has a favourite formation, but he mm. does mix it up mm. uh, depending on who they're playing Yeah, and who's fifth. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of what Emery is doing, but we're not quite sure what the one that he likes most is. But it never includes a number 10 or a, Very rarely. a playmaker. Like Very that. rarely, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. And we don't have the, the thing about that is we don't really have the players who are in that system, if you like. Mikatarian and Awobi are all right, but yeah. they're not producing enough, anywhere near enough. And then we've got the Lacazette situation going on where. What's it, that situation? Well, he took him off against 
Burnley, and Lacazette was really unhappy. And against Brighton, midway, maybe around the hour mark, having made the halftime change, Ozil for Iwobi, he took Lacazette off and put Aaron Ramsey on. Now, I had no problem with the introduction of Aaron Ramsey, yeah. but in a game when you need a goal, yeah. and you're playing with three defensively-minded midfielders, because he had Genduzi, Torreira, and Xhaka, the obvious change for me would be to put Ramsey on for one of those midfielders and keep your striker on because, yeah. you know, strikers are good at scoring goals. Right, and he's not just good at scoring goals. He's good at winning the ball back. He's dogged. I mean, he, he the first goal came from him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's yeah, he's a little animal, you know. He's always at your heels. Yeah. He you doesn't know. let things go. So he's on the bench, sitting there, watching a team who he knows need a goal, and he's sitting on the bench, fucked off, pissed off for being taken off two games in succession. And I, I have to wonder about the man management in that situation. I know everyone's enthused by the by the way that Emery makes changes because it's so different to what Wenger did. You know, Wenger would wait till the 71st minute and he would make whatever change he wanted to make, whereas Emery makes them at half time. He makes them early in the second half. I'm not sure they've always been as successful as we would have liked, certainly against Brighton. A lot of times they have worked and they yeah. have they have gone well. This time I think he got it completely wrong and I do wonder if he's going to create a situation with a player like Lacazette who's a high-profile striker, £50 million signing, and he's being taken off in a game when Arsenal desperately need a goal. I find that odd. Yeah. And what could, are you going to do? But I mean, he's the manager. He's to make decisions. Sure. They're not all going to be right. Yeah, yeah. If you won the game, you know, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's meaningless to say that. Yeah. Um, he can't be overly worried about whether Lacazette's going to have the hump of them. Yeah. I He's going to he, do what he thinks he needs to do to win the game. Sure. I guess so. I guess so. But, you know, we've got a lot of players on the outs now. Ramsey mm. on the way out. Uh, Ozil looks like he, his participation is going to be fleeting. I don't know. It just doesn't look like a really healthy situation. Danny Welbeck is going to be leaving, even though he's injured. If there's a problem with Lacazette, you know, I'm not sure it's. Uh, I'm not sure it's healthy. But we'll have to. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So, um, tell me then about Saturday. Are you feeling pretty confident about this one? Well, I am, but I'm almost reluctant to say it because I was feeling pretty confident in November, and then. Um, it was a draw. Yeah, one more. Although I'm feeling more confident now than I was then. Yeah. Um, but then Arsenal have just played poorly in a couple of games and you do tend to bounce back quite well. Mm. Um, although we've only conceded seven goals all season and I don't know when the last time is we lost at home. Um, so, yeah, Liverpool win. Come on. All right. I think, you know, there's something more to this game as well from an Arsenal point of view because Liverpool have yet to lose a game this season and the longer it goes on, the more people start thinking about the Invincibles and the unbeaten season and all that kind of crack. So uh, for me, obviously, it would be a pleasure to, to win mm. on Saturday and take that uh, take that zero and make it a one in the losses column and protect the historical achievement of the of the Invincibles, but I, I genuinely I cannot see Arsenal winning this game, and I'm not just saying that in a kind of reverse jinx kind of way. I just don't see how we can defend yeah. what you have in attack with the players that we have available to us. Yeah, and I don't think we'll uh, we'll see the midfield the way we did in November. Uh, mm. I, I don't see us losing that battle this time. 
Um, having said that, Aubameyang is incredible as a striker, and I think Lacazette's not far behind him. So, mm. you know, you could score goals, but um, we have to I, I get we have religion. to we have to get the ball to them first. So yeah, it's how, that's true. How, how we how we do that? And you know, as a fan, you may be worried about your invincibles. Yeah, thing, but I can't think, or I doubt any of the players care about that. About Liverpool's no, because it's not like if it was the final game of the season and Liverpool still hadn't won, still hadn't lost a game, it would be a thing. It would be a thing for the players. It would be something they were would be um, aware of, aware of, yeah. aware of, and they would do their best, you know, to try and protect that. But yeah, I don't think they give a fuck about it at this point in the no. season. It's just about getting getting three points or one point um, from this particular game. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll Should see. be fun. I'd take a point now. If you offered me a point, I'd absolutely take a point. Yeah, I'd say you would. I, I wouldn't. Would. I know you wouldn't, but I would. So it uh, doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So we're going to have to sit and watch and uh, drink. drink drink heavily. Drink uh, our way through it. Drink our way through it. Anyway, um, I wish you luck for the, the rest of the season, if not on Saturday. Thank you. And, and to you. And uh, Happy New Year and uh, I'll see you in two see, minutes. See you in a few minutes. See you in a few minutes, yeah. All right. Good luck. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There you go. That was the Mug Smasher. And for those of you who don't know, he is my brother. And when we were kids, he smashed my Arsenal mug with his Liverpool mug. Hence, he is the Mug Smasher. He's on Twitter, actually, at Mug Smasher. Uh, He hasn't tweeted for quite a while on there, but maybe if uh, some of you follow him, he might feel the pressure to get involved in the glorious, harmonious, wonderful, peace-to-all-man world that is football Twitter and Arsenal Twitter. I suspect he probably won't, but there you go. If you do fancy following, it is at Mugsmasher. Right, that's really just about that uh, for for this particular episode. It's kind of like an in-betweeny podcast episode you know james and i will be here after the liverpool game and we will be reviewing whatever the hell happens who knows who knows um it could be good it could be bad it could be very bad it could be very good it could be eh. there's just no way of knowing because we can't predict the future with any great accuracy unless of course it is to predict that tomorrow samir nasri will be you know a massive prick i think that's a safe one 
I think it's a safe one. But James and I will be here with an Arsecast Extra. Let's keep fingers crossed. Keep everything crossed. If you've got pets, make them cross their paws. I think we're going to need it for this particular game against Liverpool on Saturday. Let's hope we can pull something out of the fire. Uh, that is uh, an awful lot better than what we saw at Brighton. If it is, we have a chance to get something from the game. If not, could be a very badly morning when James and I discuss the game. Until then, take it easy, folks. Thanks for being here. Uh, keep enjoying the festive season. There are probably some mince pies need eating. Go do that, and I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Are you stout of mind and body? Do you possess two legs? Do you have reserves of stamina? And are you prepared to kick an opponent in the ghoulies? If so, Arsenal Football Club are now taking applications for the role of defender. Chairman Sir Chips Keswick says, We'll pay a king's ransom to anyone who can sort these cunts out. Applicants should form an orderly queue outside Highbury at once. 